I would be remiss if I didn't remind you that the last song we just sang, the Alleluia Chorus, uh, is based on Revelation chapter 19, uh, verse 1. Uh, and many hymns are, and that's one of the wonderful things I like about our using hymnals uh, rather than song sheets, because we have those scripture references that are placed there for us, and I suggest that you might jot down the scripture references for the songs that we sing, uh, so that uh, even though you're not taking the hymnal home, uh, you can take a, what the hymn was based upon home uh, and look it up and read it for yourself. Uh, it, it's a wonderful way to understand just what it is we do uh, when we're singing uh, these hymns. They're not just songs to sing. Uh, they actually speak biblical truth. And so, and that's what we're about, or we try to be about, as we uh, go about our uh, godly business. We have been preaching or speaking the last several weeks about fear. And God has felt it so very important for us to understand about fear that he's mentioned this innumerable, innumerable, innumerable times. Did I say it right the second time? I'm not sure. Uh, over 300 times, 365 times or so. Do not fear. Simple declarative statement. Do not fear. For I am with you. The verse goes on. But do not fear. Don't be afraid. And we've talked about fear in several ways. And just in quick way of review... Uh, we talked about the foundation of fear in a week. We talked about the fear of failure, the fear of rejection, uh, the fear of not having enough. Do I have enough to pay the mortgage and pay the rent? And, and can I buy a new car? Uh, how long has it been since I bought a new car, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, overcoming the fear of losing control. Overcoming the fear of commitment. How many of us are afraid to commit to this, commit to that? I don't have time. I don't think I can do it. I would probably fail if I tried, etc., etc. And that fear, and it fear that eats us up and keeps us from doing what? Keeps us doing, excuse me, keeps us from doing what God would have us to do. Today we're going to talk about the sister to fear, and the sister to fear is worry. We're going to talk about the constant companion of fear, which is worry. Overcoming worry uh, is our focus today. And uh, next week, we're going to wrap it up uh, with a, a, a message that I've entitled, I will fear no evil. And there again, comma, for God is with me. And that's really the way it works. And uh, so I hope you'll be here for that. Overcoming worry is the topic of our message today, and uh, let's get started. The power of fear, the power of worry. Worrying does this. It destroys hope. It destroys dreams. It can even destroy your life. It's the com common problem that we all have. All of us have t taken time to worry about things. Right now, as Shirley mentioned as a tag-on to our prayer ministry, we're asking you to pray for our grandson. We've been praying for our grandson most earnestly concerning his health. Uh, and he's got a serious concern. I really appreciate his attitude in that, by the way. 
Uh, he seems to have, have, he's handling the situation pretty well. And I don't know if all of you, most of us, have all, have had some kind of an ailment that a doctor says, well, I don't know what's wrong with you. That's worse than knowing what's wrong with you. You know, if it, you know what's wrong, hey, fix it. The, the, the arm is broken, put a cast on it, and I know that the bones will heal and, and my arm will be fine again, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But when the doctor says, I don't know, that's a disease I've never heard of before. I don't know why you're, you've got that rash. I don't know why you've got this, why you've got that. Uh, we'll have to figure that out together. That's scary stuff, isn't it? That's scary stuff. And that's kind of where Jeremiah is right now. So as you're praying for him, uh, <clears throat> we appreciate those prayers. Uh, as to whatever it is, uh, we're going to get a handle on it, uh, and he will overcome. He's doing pretty well, I think, in that attitude situation as he goes through. He is dealing with some pain and, and things like that, and I didn't mean to spend that much time talking about Jeremiah today, but it kind of fits into what we're starting with as we talk about worry, okay? Now, the definition of fear, and we've talked about this before, what is the definition of fear? It's an emotional response to real or imagined danger, fear. I fear jumping out of an airplane, and I just talked to a pilot today, uh, to a crew member of a plane that was transporting people like myself overseas back in the day. <clears throat> and I've never jumped out of an airplane. Never, never, ever have I ever jumped out of an airplane. There is somebody in the room that has, and uh, I pray for him a lot. Because I've been, out, I've been out of an airplane a couple of times, but both times I got pushed. Both times somebody decided that I needed to be out of the airplane while it was still at 5,000, 10,000 feet, or whatever it was. And the second time was no better than the first time. But I promised myself, and I've been faithful to that promise, that there wouldn't be a third time. And I'm working on that. I'm working on that most diligently. An emotional response to real or imagined danger. And for me, that's real danger, uh, jumping out of airplanes, even with that special pack on your back. Excuse me, but the definition of worry, it feeds to that. It's a repetitious mental and emotional rehearsal of your past, present, or future problems. Ooh, that's a lot to say. Let's do it again. A repetitious mental or emotional rehearsal of your past, present, or future problems. That's worry. Now, sometimes... <clears throat> we can say that that, that could be healthy. Uh, Shirley and I have lived in the desert since 1983. So in early 1983, when I was commuting, not commuting really, but uh, going from Oceanside to here, I had ministry here and I hadn't moved the children and my wife uh, here yet because they were still in school and so we were waiting for the summer. So I was commuting back and forth, and I was driving home uh, from Desert Hot Springs one day, and <clears throat> there was a freeze on the freeway. I mean, people were stopping for, I don't never did find out why, 
Uh, and so there were emergency stops happening. So all of a sudden, the car in front of me was <coughs> was stopping, and I was coming up on it very closely. And, you know, you react to the brake lights. And so uh, I hit the brakes, and I immediately swerved over to the left. I was in the left-hand lane, and I, I pulled almost into the, uh, uh, what do you call that, shoulder. There we are. The lady behind me, no offense to ladies today, it just happened to be a lady. Uh, the lady behind me wasn't quite as good at that as I was, and she rear-ended me. <coughs> and created somewhat of, I was still able to drive my vehicle, but it was a lot of damage to it. Anyway, I got rear-ended uh, in this situation. And the reason I lay that out for you is because every single time since then, and this happened in early 1983, so you can count the numbers over 30 years ago, every time I'm in a similar situation to that, my immediate reaction is, number one, is that I'm going to pull off to the side because I'm not sure if I'm not going to rear in the person in front of me, so that's why I move over to the left. Uh, <coughs> but I immediately, almost before I put my foot on the brake, I look in my rearview mirror to see if the lady behind me, or the gentleman for this matter, uh, is going to do what that lady did to me some 35 years ago. And that happened yesterday. It happened yesterday. Every single time that that situation occurs, I look in my rearview mirror for that which is behind me. I'm worried that I'm going to get rear-ended again. I'm worried that I'm going to get rear-ended again. Now, we might say that, does that crippling? Does that cripple me? Well, no, it doesn't because I've already got, I've already got an evasive action because I'm moving out of the way as rapidly as I can do that. And if I do get rear-ended, it's going to be because the person behind me wasn't as quick as I was in getting out of the way. But that's worry. Every that's muscle relax, muscle reaction. That's I don't even think about it. Automatically, I'm looking and wondering if that person is going to apply their brakes as rapidly as I am, or starting to move themselves over to the left or the right, depending on where we are, uh, so that that doesn't occur. Repetitious mental or emotional rehearsal of your past, present, or future problems. Worry. Uh, what are the consequences of worry? Worry is the interest you pay for the problems, the problems that seldom come. Interest that you pay on troubles that seldom come. Proverbs chapter 25 says, An anxious heart weighs a man down. Now, King James says that, <coughs> that that's heaviness. A heaviness weighs a man down. The heaviness of the heart is weighed down by worry. Think about that. When you're worried, you get, you can't focus on anything else. When you really are overcome by whatever that problem is and you're worried about it and, you know, I could be, <coughs> I could spend my entire day worrying being concerned about my grandson, Jeremiah, who I've just discussed about uh, a minute or two with you, and you know what's going on. <clears throat> or I can understand what's going on, and I do what I can do for him. 
uh, and I provide for him in such a way uh, that he hopefully will overcome this physical situation, uh, medical situation that's occurring, uh, but I'm not crippled by it. It doesn't. So, so the worry is set aside. It's not the worry. It's in the hands of God. It's in the hands of the of of the medical people that He makes Himself available to. An anxious heart weighs them down. You can't function. You can't think. You can't do can't do anything else. And I'll have to admit, there's times when there's things that happen in our lives that I don't know how I'm going to pay the rent tomorrow. And you're consumed by it. You're completely consumed by there's just no money coming in. There's just, there's, the paycheck has already been spent, you know, whatever it is, and uh, rent is due tomorrow. They're going to put me on the street the day after that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we're crippled by it. We can't think of anything else. We can't, we can't do anything. We can't eat. We can't sleep. We can't do anything. Because we're so worried about whatever, and I've used rent in this case as, or mortgage, I guess we could put it that way, uh, the same thing. An anxious heart weighs a man down. Worry is the interest you pay on troubles that seldom come. I've never been kicked out of a house. Have I ever worried about paying the rent? Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure every one of us can probably say that uh, at a, a time or two. But you know what? It happens to, it stimulates sickness. It stimulates sickness. Uh, Dr. W.C. Alvarez of the Mayo Clinic said this, 80% of the stomach disorders that come into us are not organic, not medical, but functional. Most of our ills are caused by worry and fear. Now, I don't know if, if you know who Charles Stanley is. Charles Stanley is a pastor of a church uh, in Georgia, Atlanta. Is that right? Somewhere back there, some you know, on the other coast. You got that. Anyway, one of those one of those southern states. And he did a wonderful, beautiful four message series on wasn't on fear, but it was on forgiveness. It was on allowing. Uh, the lack of forgiveness to ruin your life. But the things that he had to say, I think, fit right into what we're talking about today in this fact, this idea of worry. And think about that. You've got somebody that, that has wronged you and you're upset at that person. And every time you think their name, you get all, oh my gosh, you know, that person would be, the world would be a better place if that person wasn't here. You know, and it might even be a relative. It might be a, you know, brother, sister, whatever it could be. And you're consumed by it. When it comes time for holidays, well, today's my brother's birthday, but I didn't send him a card because, and so on, right? Christmas time comes, et cetera, et cetera. Nothing, nothing, because I'm so consumed by whatever. And sometimes I don't really remember what he did to really tick me off that bad. But it, because it happened that long ago. It does what? An anxious heart weighs a man's down. It stimulates sickness. I'm the one that's paying the price. I don't know if my brother's paying the price, but I'm paying the price. I'm concerned. I'm anxious about it. It upsets me. I have a bad day today. 
Well, why did you have a bad day today? Well, I was thinking about my brother. Oh, okay. That, that makes sense. I understand that. Not what we should be doing. So, consequences of worry stimulate sickness. It paralyzes progress. Paralyzes progress. It's almost like a rocking chair. Have you ever sat in a rocking chair? You know, and you sit down and you just rock back and forth. You don't go anywhere. Rocking chair doesn't move except for the back and forth motion. Doesn't do anything. Just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Maybe you can go to sleep doing it, but what? that's it. No progress. Rocking chair doesn't move. Doesn't go anywhere. You don't go anywhere. You don't do anything about the problem that you've got. All you're doing is worrying about it. It paralyzes progress. It gives you something to do, of course. You are dwelling upon it. You shouldn't be dwelling upon it, but you are dwelling upon it. It's like that rocking chair where you don't go anywhere, but you are still moving. And it cripples faith. It cripples faith. Think about that for a moment. As we worry about things, and we we understand, and we've talked over and over and over again about putting God first in our lives, making God the number one. He's the number one priority. Love me first, God says. Jesus says, love me more than your mother, your father, your wife, and so on. Love me first. Because there's where the love comes from. And as you love me first, your ability to love others is going to be what? It's going to be enriched. It's going to be, it's going to be better. It's going to work for you. And so when we're worried, it cripples that faith. We, it, there's an interference now. Worry is a thin stream which can cut a channel through which all other thoughts are drained. I'm not thinking about God when I'm worrying. Unless I'm saying, well, where are you, God? Why aren't you fixing this? You know, have you ever had that thought? Why aren't you doing something about this, God? I'm waiting. Come on. I've been waiting for how long? Here again, using Jeremiah as the example, he's been going through this pain business that he's had for over a month. And he goes to the doctor and this is going to make it better. They give him some pills to manage the pain a little bit etc., etc., but he's still got it, and he doesn't know. We don't know. Well, this is happening. There's this in the blood. There's not this. There's not this symptom, but there is this symptom. So we, we don't know, the doctor says. Isn't that exciting? God, why don't you do something? I don't know that Jeremiah said that, but that's the opportunity that we have, and when we put ourselves, when we get ourselves into that kind of a situation, it's quite easy for us to separate ourselves from God. Isn't that a terrible thing? Isn't that a terrible thing? To separate ourselves from God. And then, of course, it facilitates failure. It facilitates failure. If we don't do anything, you know, if we don't do anything about it, we're pretty much going to fail. I can almost guarantee failure if you don't do it. If you don't do something, you're not going to succeed. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to succeed. I remember my my eldest son years ago. He finished high school. <coughs> he has a fatalistic attitude. Still does a little bit. He said, he said, okay, now I'm 
I'm 18. I'm going to get drafted. I'm going to be in the army. They're going to send me and I'm going to get killed. So that's it. See ya. Bye, mom. Bye, dad. He didn't say that, but, but there it is. That, that's where it was. Well, he didn't get drafted. And so the other things didn't happen either. So there we are. He didn't know what he wanted to do with his life. Well, I don't really want to go to college, college. I'm really kind of tired of that. Uh, my, uh, son is theatrical in nature. That makes sense too. Uh, and so he decided that he'd like to go to, he'd, he'd like to study drama. I'd like to go to a, uh, acting school. <clears throat> but he wouldn't apply. If I applied, they won't take me. They'll reject me. This lady, that's my wife right here in front, for those of you that don't know. Uh, this lady suggested to him, well, if you don't apply, I guarantee you won't go. Yep, there it is. <laughs> Duh. Got that. You, you work that one out. If you don't apply, you're not going to get accepted. You got it? So not only did he finally apply, thanks to his mother's counsel, uh, but he was accepted. And it was every year they determined whether they're going to accept you for the next year. He was there for three years. And every year, at towards the, they're not going to choose me for coming back next year. They're just not going to do it. <sighs> Come on, Rob, give me a break. But there it was. It facilitates failure. That's what worry does. It facilitates failure. And you can work yourself directly into that. Now, how can we win over worry? How can we win over worry? Well, the passage that I suggested that we uh, look at is found in Philippians. And I'm going to read the passage to you, for you, with you. Chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Familiar passage. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Let's stop. That's just one verse. Rejoice in the Lord always. What's the key word there? Well, the key word is always. If you've got some place where you could circle the word, if you're looking at it on a printed page, circle the word always. And again, I say, do what? Rejoice. I'm rejoicing in my, my grandson today. I'm rejoicing in my son Rob today for making it through three years of, of drama school. And then he was going to do it professional. Well, we won't even go into the professional end of it. Uh, forget that. Okay. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, uh, what is it I want you to do? Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. I have the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Hallelujah. We sang the song. Hallelujah. Verse 5. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at Hand. Now, what does that phrase mean? The Lord is at hand. Well, from a physical standpoint, I think in terms he's close enough to touch. He's at hand. He's right there. About this time, I should walk over and hold hands with my wife. 
Verse 6, be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God. Verse 6. Let's do that again. Be careful for nothing. Don't worry about things. That's what that's saying. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, what? Let your requests be known unto God. Speak to God. Pray to God. Talk to God about your problems. God will guide you. God will be a lamp unto your light, uh, unto your path. And verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which patheth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now let's back up. When we're worried, what have we done? We've set God aside. God's not here today. God's not at hand today. He's not here. He's not helping me today. Why is he not helping you today? Because you've closed the door and you won't let him in. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. This is a common verse. You've heard this verse over and over again. Those things which ye have both Learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Verse 9. Philippians chapter 4. Realize that worry doesn't work. 6a. Be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known unto God. That's what the verse says. And so when we put God in our lives, when we allow God to handle the situation in our lives, can can God handle it? Can God uh, provide for you? What's the foundation of our faith? The foundation of our faith is the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is that the foundation of our faith? Because we believe, because Jesus rose from the dead, guess what I'm going to do? Guess what you're going to do? That's the foundation. I'm not afraid to die. Absence of the body is presence with the Lord, the scripture says, and I believe that. I'm not worried about it. Because I have God. I have God and God will deliver. And God says he's with me. He's at hand. He's with me always. Realize that worry doesn't work. Matthew chapter 6 says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? We don't know when it's done. The actuary of the insurance company doesn't know when we are done. Right now the actuary says you got... 80 years is about it. Well, there's a few of you in the room. You shouldn't be here. Church company says, oops. 
29,000, uh, I can't remember how many days now. I, I worked it out mathematically. I used a computer, calculator, not a computer, calculator, and worked out how many days 80 years is. And then I added in the 20 leap years it would have been in those 80 years. It's just exciting. Oh, the numbers are just beautiful. But there it is. Okay, I'm getting close. So I should start work. I've got less than two years left. Less than two years and I'm going to be gone. You're going to have to find another pastor in less than two years. You better get a search committee out there. Oh, what's Shirley going to do? Shirley should start worrying right now. My retirement, she gets half my retirement after I'm gone. So her her income is going to be decreased by that much when I'm gone. I hope the life insurance will cover up the difference. I hope is that what she's praying for? Is that oh I'm worried. What am I going to do? How am I going to pay the rent? Oh, see, we're back to that again. Be careful for nothing. Therefore, don't worry. You don't add a single hour. In fact, you actually lose time, don't you? Worrying creates sickness, and the sickness can become very real. And you can die of the stomach ailment, of the extra strain upon your heart, etc., etc., etc. But you know, worry is also a control issue, because you can determine whether you're going to do it or not. And if you're controlling, if it's a control issue, it's also a sin issue. If you're worrying, that means you're setting God aside, and that's a sin. Who's focused in your life? Who's number one in your life? Well, number one in my life is God. Well, not today. He's number two or three or four, or he doesn't even exist. And we might even start wondering, are you really there? Or was this just some pipe dream that somebody dreamed up? a few years ago and stuck it all in a book. Sin. Control issue. You need to refocus your mind on the goodness of God. Now I'm going to read verse 8 again and I'm going to read it a little differently than I read it the first time because it says, whatsoever things are true, right? Here we go. Now, finally, brethren, Jesus is true. Jesus is honest. Jesus is just. Jesus is pure. Jesus is lovely. Jesus is of good report. Jesus is virtue. Jesus is praise. Think on these things. Think on Jesus. God is love. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me, the full verse says, 14.6, God is the way. Refocus your mind on the goodness of God. Jesus is true and honest and just and pure and lovely and of good report and virtuous and praise. And that leads us to verse 9 that says, those things, and the word things in verse 9 speaks of what? Speaks of what we just read in verse 8. Whatsoever things are true, 
honest, just. Jesus is all of those things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Now it's written, Paul wrote this in Philippians. So seen in me, we could argue that the word me there is Paul. You've seen me show you the way. I've shown you the way that God would have us to go. But I submit to you, <clears throat> but those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, the Lord Jesus Christ, do. And we've got four Gospels that tell us all of the things that Jesus did for us in a physical way. He lived with us. He lived among the, amongst us all of those years to illustrate to you His love for you in order that he might go to the cross for you and for me. Get close to Jesus Christ. Excuse me. Release your worries to the Son of God. Release your worries to the Son of God. Worry is a choice. 1 Peter chapter 5 says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety worries, troubles, on Him because He cares for you. For God so loved the world, for God so loved Martin Hubler that He sent His Son to the cross in order that I might be reconciled to Him. And you can stick your name in where I just stuck mine. He cares for me. If I believe in the very foundation of the Christian faith, then that's true, isn't it? He cares for you. Cares for you. The story is told of a, of a lady, older lady gets on the bus and the bus is crowded and full and people are standing and, every, and all the seats are taken and nobody will get up and give her a seat. And she's got a suitcase that she can barely hold in in one hand or two hands and so she's trying to balance herself in the aisle uh, and holding the suitcase in her hand and the bus is turning and bumping and going and going here and going there and and the bus driver turns around and he tells tells the lady he says you know you can set the suitcase down and the bus will carry the suitcase and that'll help your balance Really? Really? You mean I don't have to? Really? And there it is. Cast your cares upon Him. Take me. My burden is light, says Jesus. My burden is light. I'll take your burden from you. I will carry your cross, if I can put it that way. Replace your worry with Jesus. Put the suitcase down. Put it down. And don't pick it up. Don't pick it up. Replace your worry with joyful service. Our opportunity to serve gives us the opportunity to mirror ourselves in Him. 
Jesus was about service. Read the Gospels with that in mind. Everything that Jesus did was about service. Changing the water into wine and all of the miracles, raising Lazarus from the dead, feeding the 5,000, talking to the woman at the well, John chapter 4, etc. It goes on and on and on and on. Jesus was about service. And Jesus said, follow me. What does follow me mean? How many minutes? Two. Wow. That's just, and I'm down to the last point. Isn't that, oh, the Holy Spirit is working today. There we go. Joyful service. Jesus said, follow me. What does follow mean? Well, I was in the military, and follow means come up, go behind me, don't get ahead of me, just follow me. And when I was in Vietnam, and we had a point man, and the point, what is the purpose of the point man when we're doing jungle warfare? It's to make sure that there are no bad guys in front, that there are no booby traps, and if there are, he's supposed to kind of seek them out and say, be careful, don't step there, don't step over there, stop. There's a patrol coming or whatever it might be. And I'm not going to tell blood and gut stories today. But that's the point, man. And guess what? There's not a single one of us, no matter what our rank was, no matter no matter how much more experience we had than the point man would ever get in front of the point man. Nobody wants to be the point man. Guess who the point man is? He's got a name. Mr. Jesus Christ. That's the point, man. That's the point, man. And the peace of God, which patheth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Now, if the God of peace is with you, and the import of the verse says, if the God of peace is with you, peace is going to be there. P-E-A-C-E, you will have peace. Follow me, and I will give you peace. Follow me, and you'll have the peace that passeth all understanding. Why am I not afraid to die? Because I'm not going to die. That's ridiculous. I'm going to have everlasting life. I'm going to spend an eternity with God the Father. That's what I'm going to do. Is that what you're going to do? Do you really truly believe that? But see, it doesn't start the day that uh, Pierce Brothers starts. The day that they haul you away in the black Cadillac. No, 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 no. It starts right now. It starts right the moment that you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That's when it starts. Heaven on earth. There's heaven on earth right now because you have Jesus Christ in your heart and you can do exactly what we've talked about doing. Philippians has 104 verses. There's four chapters. If there's any one epistle that I think we should be very, very familiar with, not necessarily memorized, but have it down pretty well so we could paraphrase it, it's Philippians. In context, the heart, 
the heart of Philippians is really found in the verses that we read. Chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. If there are any five, six verses that you should memorize, it's those. Go beyond John 3.16. Go beyond John 14.6 that Franklin Graham reminds us of every time he gets on television. As important as they are. Whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are honest. Whatsoever things are just or pure or lovely or of good report or virtuous or of praise. Think on these things. And these things are all represented by what? By who? The Lord Jesus Christ. Don't worry about it. You've got a fixer. You've got a helper. You've got a Savior. Let's pray. Gracious, loving, heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you that you are exactly that. You are our Savior. Not just a Savior for heaven, but a Savior right now. And we just call upon you to be with us Carry us, carry us through this burden of life. And we thank you and praise you as we go forward today and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, soon and very soon. And you'll find that on page 192.